In these uncertain times, two beards start an epic journey to grow their own food. With great beards comes great responsibility. And these two have taken it on to help people across the globe with their farming and gardening problems. This is Two Beards on the Grow. And now, your host. We're live. Cool. All right. Uh, this is our second episode, Two Beards on the Grow, with your two hosts. I'm Rooster, and I own Punk Crop Farms, and this is... Um, I'm sorry, I was looking at uh, the <laughs> live. Uh, sorry. Uh, I'm James, uh, James Clark with Clark's Greens, and uh, we're out here on the uh, farm today. Farm pot. Farmcast. Yeah, farmcast. So, um, if you are just tuning in, we do a live interactive podcast. This is a podcast that we record and we post later, but we're also live on Instagram. You can follow us right now on my account. We are currently starting a new instagram for this so you can start following that we'll have that up pretty soon yeah um we're gonna start doing these we do two episodes um a day whatever that we record and so you get an episode every week something like that uh we haven't really worked out all the details but we yeah we're we're getting it started though you know we're gonna this is the first day so uh we'll be definitely more structured as we go through it but we're creating as we go you know oh yeah yeah so a little bit of winging it you're you're getting it firsthand and uh so uh if you'd like to ask us questions if you want us to fill in we started this podcast so we can help people with as much stuff as they can to get started or need help or uh Anything that's going on in their garden that we might be able to help you with, we want to do that. This is a way for us to give back. And so uh, if you miss this and you catch it later, feel free to send us a DM. Uh, You're already following me, obviously, because you're on our page. But you need to go over and follow James over at Clark's underscore Greens. Uh, He's on all over. You see him. You can look at any of my posts. He's usually tagged in something. And uh, start following him. So we're always available. Yeah, let Uh, us know. Yeah. Uh, this episode, we wanted to talk to y'all about uh, what we're growing in your area. What you, what you're growing in your area. So uh, know what you're growing. Know your area. Know stuff like that. So we're gonna get into some stuff about knowing all that stuff. Um, I'm gonna let James take it over. Sure. So you know, once you've once you figured out what you can, what you want to do, and that you want to actually start growing. And you've prepped your area or you're prepping your area, you know, whether it be um, at a home or in an apartment or on a balcony or, or whatever your setup is going to be where it's raised beds or containers. Um, as you're doing that, you start figuring out what you want to grow. So knowing what your zone is um, based on where you live um, will help you immensely because you'll figure out what you can grow, number one, versus what you want to grow. Um, you know, for example, like most people grow things that don't grow naturally in your area. In a lot of cases, so you have to play to the seasonality or the seasons, because if you're not careful, you'll grow something and it won't produce uh, fruit or vegetables. So right. knowing, knowing what you can grow um, is super important, um, and also knowing when you can grow it. So, um, can you grow tomatoes um, at some point in time? Yes, but it's going to depend on what the temperatures are like and what your seasons are like. So for us here in 
uh, Central South Texas, where we are in San Antonio, we have, we're in zone 8B. Okay, um, depending on where you are in Bear County, you might be 8A. Depending on where you are in Texas, again, that's going to uh, fluctuate. And as big as Texas is, you're talking yeah, about a, there's, a, a handful of zones. <laughs> and I think there's uh, seven, maybe, uh, there's seven different grow areas, if I'm not mistaken, in Texas. Wow. Um, so you you can grow a lot of things, but it's your seasons are going to depend on that grow area. So for us here, we have kind of a little microclimate, if you will, because we're in the hill country, or we're surrounded by the hill country. So in a lot of cases, we can grow very similar to California almost year round. We're in the middle of winter right now for, for us, and we're out here in t-shirts at 70, <laughs> 70 degrees today is going to be the high, but tomorrow's going to be 79. Now, yeah. in contrast to that, the weekend it's going to be supposedly 21 21 to 30 <laughs> degrees so our climate allows us to do a lot of things but then we get these weird winters so we wouldn't want to necessarily have a lot of stuff out right now that is cold susceptible because even though it's a beautiful day and things are going to look great right now in a week here uh they might be shocked by some uh chilly weather so Knowing what knowing your climate is is the first thing that's super important. So once you figure out where you are, what your zone is, now you can get started. So knowing what your last frost date is or when your potential last frost date is typically what the starting point is. So if your last frost date, for the sake of the conversation, is March 1st, then you know that you can start buying plants in the middle of February or starting seeds in January or February because by the time they're ready to go outside your fear of frost is gone. Right. Now, can you get a freak frost? Sure. So this is not exact science, but by, by your growers and your farmer almanac and, and what most people do, it's like know what your last potential frost state is. So once you have that figured out, then you can really get started from it. Um, once you figure out what your last frost state is, you can start getting plants in. You can start potting stuff up. You can start planting seeds. And, and then you can go from there. Um, if you're trying to grow... Tomatoes, for example, they grow very quickly. Um, they grow very prolifically. They provide a lot. So you, you don't want to start them too early because if you're waiting for that last frost, that you're going to have a gigantic plant inside that can potentially, potentially get leggy, which is just grow, reaching for light and not have much support. Um, they could break. Um, it just get, it'll get it'll get more task and time consuming than it's worth. So, you know, start if you're growing if you're trying to grow from seed, you start your tomatoes typically. Um, in January, if you're trying to get to March 1st or in the first week of February, and then within four weeks or so, you'll have a nice start that can go outside. Um, so know your, know your grow zone, know when your last frost date is, and that's when you can get started. Also know how long your grow season is. Once the weather starts to warm up, if you're going to grow, you should really start to get stuff in the ground right away because you want it ready for whenever your summer hits. Um, summer grow operations um, can still be super successful but then you're dealing with scorching heat in a lot of cases so then shade comes in or shade cloth potentially or growing certain crops comes into place um, it'll still grow tomatoes for example because we're talking about that as our main thing um, but if it gets over like 90 degrees 90 plus unless you have a super heat tolerant tomato which you can get yeah um, they won't produce buds or fruit the plant will still stay alive in most cases but they won't produce so uh that's my dog <laughs> um, so uh knowing what you can grow is is the next most important step after you know your grow your grows on your and your uh, last frost date so if you're going to grow tomatoes and you have a good season 
but it gets hot, find a heat tolerant tomato. Yeah. Typically, your nurseries in your area will have stuff that can grow in your area. But if your nurse, some nurseries just provide plants and starts. So again, a trusted source for plants or a trusted grower will provide you with what you need that will grow in your area. That's why, so I'll, I'll give a shout out real quick to uh, fruittrees.com. Um, <laughs> what is it called? Uh, fastfruittrees.com, I think is what it's called. Um, we bought a lot of our fruit trees from them. Fast, sorry, fastgrowingtrees.com. Pardon me. Um, as you can tell, I wasn't prepared for that, but it just came to my mind. Uh, they won't sell you certain fruit trees if they don't grow in your area. Like you enter your climate, you enter or you enter your zone, you enter your address, and they will not send you trees that don't grow in your area because they don't want them to die. So knowing and that, that you, says a whole lot about it, a company. It does. Um, knowing what you can do and what you can grow is so important. So if you're in a hot area for summer, heat tolerant plants or heat tolerant tomatoes. Um, the lettuce that we grow here, the three that we grow are Cherokee Red, Mirror, and Benefine. Those are all heat tolerant and cold resistant in most cases. So we bought a, a type that is going to still stay alive in the cold days of winter that we have here. But that is heat tolerant, so we can actually grow it in the spring and most summers. So that's how you kind of choose what you're going to grow and um, and really start getting stuff in the ground in early spring. Because you want your plants and you want your starts to be set and ready by the time it gets hot. Yeah. Um, because it's it's really hard to get fresh starts in the ground in summer um, if they haven't been hardened off or if they haven't been, uh, if they're not a certain size because you're going to have uh, challenges with the heat. So you can still plant in summer. You can absolutely still plant in summer, and we do as well, but you got to have plants that are hardened off. Yeah, we, um, d- we did it last year. We, yeah. we grew, you know, everybody says, oh, tomatoes, they, I mean, uh, peppers and jalapenos and mm-hmm. all these, they need that real hot even when it's Ooh. even a, a plant like that that's really hardy in the heat, when we had like hundred and eight degree yeah. weather, you know, last year, our even our peppers were like, okay, we've had enough. Like we, you yeah. got to give us a break. But yeah. it was as soon as that uh, cool weather started coming in from the fall after summer, we'd gone out to the farm and we picked like a hundred peppers off mm. all the plants, and everybody was like, how? I'm like, dude, as if as long as you take care of your stuff through the through you know through the yeah. summer. As soon as fall hits, we get two growth seasons here that are major growth seasons. So, I mean, it it, it really makes a difference for us. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 talking about like just re- we have a really we do have a really good growth season. I mean, I think the only place that's there's there's a lot of places kind of in our area that are that are probably better to grow, if you will, in our climate. Like California, obviously, is, is probably the best grow area because it's it stays the same temperature all year long in some areas. But um, here in our area, we get a good season. We get a good growth season. It's long, so you can do a lot of things. Um, but you want to get your stuff in the ground in spring versus summer because once if, once it gets hotter, it just gets more challenging. And I mentioned hardening off before. So if you buy plants in February and it's cooler, as the days start to get warmer, you got to put those plants outside to start to get exposed to direct sunlight and warmer temperatures. And so you start by doing like an hour here or 30 minutes at a time and then you bring them in. And then you go to two hours the next day or the next couple of days and so on and so forth. And so you can leave the plant outside on a sunny day where it's going to be, it's going to be strong and it's going to survive. You don't want to take a plant that you've had inside and cool 72 degrees or 70 AC and put it outside on an 85 degree summer day or spring day for us here because that's what's going to happen. We literally go from 40 degrees to 85. Um, <laughs> it can actually do that in a day. In a day. So <laughs> you don't want to take that plant and put it outside because it's going to wilt and, and potentially it might die. But that's why you harden them off. So once you know your climate and your first frost date, and you're starting to pick out your plants, know if you can have, if it, know if it needs to be a heat tolerant or know if it's going to grow well in your temperature. 
Um, you can grow a lot of things like corn, okra, beans, uh, tomatoes, and peppers here super well. But some lettuces won't do well because of the temperature. So you got to get that heat tolerant type. Um, yeah. Squashes do grow very well here. All different varieties of gourds grow well here. But we deal with certain pests that love those things in our area because we don't get the hard freeze. So yeah. because our climate doesn't get a hard freeze, um, we don't have pests that die off. They sometimes don't go dormant. So with having a longer grow season, we deal with more pests because they don't go dormant. We don't get snow typically. Um, the last five years, we've actually gotten a couple of snow days, I think once through two years ago and once two years prior to that. But the last snow day before that, that was real snow for us was like 1984. So Yep, I, I have pictures of me uh, <laughs> in, in one of those suits from Christmas Story uh, in yeah. the snow. So, yeah. You know, so we don't get those we don't get those hard freezes. Now, if you're up north and you get those hard freezes and you get snow, it's so important for you to know when your last frost day is or when your last snow day could be because that's when you're going to be able to get outside and get stuff in the ground. But then it's also important for you to know when fall starts. And when is your summer going to really end because you're going to have to look at switching over to a certain style of growing or doing hoop houses or potentially some kind of a cover grow because once it starts getting colder or you get snow, your, your plants are going to die. Um, you can grow tomatoes in winter. You can grow tomatoes in hoop houses in winter. Greenhouses, there's a lot of growers that do that stuff as well up north, um, but it's a different style of growing. Um, it's not like large-scale, huge agriculture, hundreds and thousands of acres. Um, you can literally have a greenhouse on a tenth of an acre less a 20th of an acre you can have a small greenhouse and um, be able to grow tomatoes in the winter so yeah um just depends on your climate so knowing those little things is a great way to get started and then looking at what you want to grow and if you say okay i want to grow corn well what type of corn can you grow when should you start your seeds all your seed packets are going to have information on the back if you buy from a trusted grower like we buy most of our seeds from johnny's shout out to johnny's because they're phenomenal um great germination super helpful fantastic catalogs um yeah and we uh sorry we're outside uh we grow uh we look at the catalogs we look at the types and we get that information we see what we can grow and how it's going to grow we get all that photo and then we start so look to see if it's going to grow in your area and then start at the appropriate time whether you start it inside or you direct sow is going to impact how it grows as well because if you're going to direct sow a seed like a, a green bean seed or a snap bean or something in the ground it's got to be at the right time because you want it to grow and you want it to grow quick because pests will eat them. You know, bugs like vegetables like we do. So birds, birds see birds, a little birds green. Birds see a little green. And oh, they'll some pick of them it right pack off. It right, yep. Some of them will pull it right out of the ground. So you don't want something that's going to slow down if you direct seed. Um, if you do, if you start something indoors, perfect. Look at the seed packets. See when you can start it inside. Like we talked about tomatoes earlier, about four weeks prior or five weeks prior. And start your stuff inside and then just harden off and bring it outside. So... You can grow almost anything in most climates. There's only a few things that you have to plan for. Um, when you start talking about longer germination or longer growing crops like uh, asparagus, for example, um, it's a gigantic fern. In the first year, you just let the fern grow, and then you chop it down, and as the roots start coming up, that's asparagus, and that's how you get it. Artichokes, year, year and a half, depending on how quickly the plant grows. If you're trying to grow those things, you just got to plan ahead a little bit longer because they take so much more time. Um, great startup crops. I'm going to tell you what mine are and then you tell me what you think yours are as well. <laughs> if you're starting to grow something for the first time, um, this is what I would highly recommend that you start with. If you're if you're looking to grow, first time grower, never done anything, but you're like, man, I just want to get after it this year. What can I grow? I would absolutely recommend you grow basil as an herb. Super easy. 
rosemary, hardiest herb I think that we. Oh yeah, you can buy starts. They're great. Tomatoes. Oh, lies. (laughs) (laughs) Tomatoes. Hold on. (laughs) Cherry tomatoes. Fantastic. If you grow larger tomatoes at the beginning, you gotta watch your watering more carefully because they will split. And if a squirrel takes a bite out of a big tomato or a mouse or a bird, it's done. I recommend starting with cherries because they are so prolific and they're such good producers and they're quick. Um, peppers, start with something simple. A jalapeno, a hot tie, a serrano. Um, the bigger peppers, again, it's just more challenging with watering. Um, okra, beans of some variety, snap beans or pinto, um, cucumbers. Kentucky, Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. Um, squash. Great growers here. Um, so those are all things that are really super easy. If you're looking for something like, well, what if I want to grow fruit or berries, strawberries, in our area at least, or blueberries, get a bush. Um, those are really easy things to start with. If you want to grow something that's like, hey, I want to grow corn or some kind of grain, corn is a great one to start with. Um, sweet corn down here is sweet corn. that. That's the way we we do two. Yeah. We're actually doing two different ones. Yeah. We have like a, a pink gym and a yeah. a country gentleman, something totally off the wall that you know not a whole lot of people grow down here. So. Uh, you know, you have to, once again, you have to get into that research, have to start figure out, you know, when, what's the best time and stuff like yeah. that. For me, I only direct sow corn. That's the way I've always done it. I just, I, and I do transplants and he does transplants and you know, everybody has her thing. Uh, That's what's so great about this is everyone has, <laughs> everyone has their own way of doing it and there's no wrong answer. Like and, that's yeah. what's so cool about he, it. He, I, I, he, he, what we said that we would talk about what we thought would be the best starters i totally don't think tomatoes is good for somebody (laughs) to start i mean i think if somebody's starting a garden i don't i never give them tomato plants i think that i think they are so frugal and trying to grow but i think if you're definitely going to grow i mean peppers jalapenos stuff like that um uh, any of those little little peppers are all good but i i think the very first easiest plant to grow is okra Without a doubt. Yeah, okra is an easy one. It's super hardy, especially in the heat. Yep. Uh, that is one thing that does not slow down even when it gets hot oh, here, no. especially the varieties that we grow. Um, I know you've got like a number of different varieties. Seven, I, seven yeah, varieties. I, I grow Clemson Spineless. It's what I've grown for the last seven years. We harvest our own seeds. Super prolific. Um, but it's 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 an easy one. So yep. you know, while people think, while we, we might disagree on what we start with sometimes, um, there's a lot of stuff that we do agree with that would start. That's easy starts. And so... yeah. Excuse me, pardon me. So, knowing what you can grow and figuring out what you want to start with, I would start with something that's super easy and that's going to produce so that way you get some benefit from it and you get joy out of it. And I, I, I know there's posts out there and that's another plane. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say it before, like producing a tomato or the first time you pull a corn or a pepper or you, even potatoes, actually another great one to start with. Potatoes are fantastic. Um, sweet potatoes grow so easy literally put a sweet potato up buy an organic sweet potato from the grocery store <laughs> put it in, put it in a jar or a bowl of water leave some of it out put it by a sunny window you're gonna have a vining plant they're actually really cool vines to have in your house they're, yep. they smell great they do they're really beautiful colors snap the vine off put it in a pot you're it, gonna, you're it'll have grow, roots you're gonna maize. grow potatoes yeah. they are so easy to grow but like when you harvest your first potato or tomato or pepper or okra the feeling of accomplishment and joy I, I can't explain it and then when you start to get stuff that you can actually cook with like the first time i started growing we started with a tomato plant a bell pepper a jalapeno 
cilantro bush and i think it was a one strawberry we got it we got the tiniest strawberry off that one that one <laughs> little plant but it was so cool to go outside when i was cooking dinner and grab a pepper or grab a uh, bell pepper and, or roma tomato which is what we grew and just throw it into dinner it, it was so rewarding you know so and that's kind of where we started and we've grown into this now but figure out what you want to grow and and really just try something that's going to that's going to uh, produce for you easily, and then you can get into some more complicated stuff. Um, the English uh, English FL gardener asks uh, where are we located. We're in San Antonio, Texas. Our grow zone is eight B, um, so we're like in central, central south, south central yeah. south Texas. Um, really cool climate here. Like I said, we're in the middle of winter, and we're out here in t shirts. Yeah. But, um, I mean, we had a day what two two days ago. It was eighty one. Yeah, you know, and, middle, tomorrow, middle and, and tomorrow it's going to be 77, 79, 80. Yeah. So, um, but start with something easy. You know, start growing something. Um, if you like it, if you love it, if you fall in love with it, which I've, I've challenged most of you, um, you'll probably fall in love with it right away and you'll want to grow something. Um, start with something easy. Yeah. And then go from there. If, I, uh, I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, if ahead. you were, uh, if you're tuning in, uh, tell us where you're at. Tell us what zone you're in. Yeah. Uh, let it, let us know. And the way the, the way, from what I understand, the way the grow zones work is they're like belts going across the United States. So like something, so a similar climate to us, um, close anyway, um, some areas in Georgia or on the East coast where we're, you kind of just look at the way the, the States go and that's kind of how our grow zones are divided. And depending on where you are, your, your state, you might have a, diff, a different microclimate or a different climate. If you're surrounded by mountains or hills, like, like I said, we're around the hill country, the hill country is part of me around us. So. We're kind of in this little pocket. It will literally snow completely yeah. around us, or rain. We'll, get, <laughs> we'll be, we'll be in, a, in a six month drought, or, and that might be extreme, but we'll be in a, a several month drought, and it's raining all around the hill country, and we don't get any rain. Yeah. So, um, but you know, it's it's cool because we get a little cool little uh, grow climate area. Um, he says, uh, or they say, uh, I have issues with bugs and hot weather in summer. It really messes with my veg. Same, same here, you know, uh, because. Uh, we don't have those hard freezes. So this actually kind of leads into another topic, which we, if we have a few minutes, I can dive into. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Um, having, if you're, if you're growing vegetables or anything, even on a small scale, so let's say you're growing tomatoes, um, watch out, buddy, and you have aphids. You can grow things that attract aphids that get them away from your plants, like milkweed. Um, aphids love that, and it, I, they will not kill it. They just love it. But they'll eat that before they eat your tomatoes or your other plants. So you can also grow things that attract predators. So we grow certain flowers here um, or leave certain things growing that attract predatory insects. So you can grow things that attract predators. You can grow, you know, you want to have, if you see wasps, I I get so, uh, I laugh sometimes when people go, oh my God, there's a wasp nest. I need to get rid of it. I'm like, dude, don't, don't, don't kill the wasps. Like leave the wasps. Um, unless it's a detriment to your families by a doorway or something, I get that. But wasps eat caterpillars. They eat the soft body insects. Um, when I was growing grapes one year, I had wasps. I was I was literally pruning the plant. There was a hundred wasps flying all around me, um, and they were you could watch them fly into the grapevines, kill a caterpillar, and fly off with it. It was so cool. That's crazy. So you can grow things that attract predatory insects. Um, ladybugs and all those things that eat all the soft bodies ladybugs are the wolves of the garden they eat aphids soft bodies there there is one thing about ladybugs I, i'm not trying okay. to cut you off but uh it's it's really important people get the uh 
get that idea in their head. I guess they put it out there that ladybugs will eat aphids. It's not mature ladybugs that go after. I mean, they will well, they eat do. them. They do. They do. But, uh, but it's, they're nymphs. Yeah. It's, it's, that, they look like orange and black alligator yeah. looking things. They're cool looking, but yep. those things are voracious. I mean, oh, yeah. They'll destroy, they'll kill aphids, but also like green lace wings. If you ever walk outside and you see those little green flies with the clear wings and like red eyes, the, uh, lace wings, uh, those are fantastic aphid killers. Yeah. So first thing to do, I would say, is grow something that attracts predators or make sure that you have an environment that attracts other insects because they typically eat the bad ones. Um, second thing, we're, we're really getting after an integrated pest management or IPM program this year where we're buying beneficial insects. We typically have bought ladybugs on a yearly basis and a praying mantis egg sac and let those things go. Praying mantis are so cool. They're, they're assassins. Yeah, ladybugs for all the soft bodies, prey mantis for the larger things. We started to buy lace wings last year, and I also bought um, trichogramma. I might have butchered that, but it's a soft body caterpillar uh, wasp that is a paras- parasitoid, I believe, that actually parasitizes um, caterpillars. So we got that because we deal with a lot of hornworms here. So. Hornworms, if you don't get them under control, they will destroy your crop. Um, <clears throat> you can find them easily because they they get gigantic. They get, like, huge, and they leave big poo or scat. And so you, it's easy to find them on leaves. But if but we're using insects to battle insects. So right. if it gets back to your point, um, this year we're going to be doing, on a regular basis, lace wings, which are very inexpensive. If you buy a lot of ladybugs, ladybugs can get pricey depending, but if you're releasing them once or twice, you can buy them in small amounts and they'll stick around. Um, lace wings are a lot uh, less expensive, if you will, or costly. Um, you buy a praying mantis egg and you'll have praying mantis forever. Um, we're going to be looking at the caterpillar control. Because we have dogs, we also use um, a fly control, fly parasite. Um, and it's called They're called fly exterminators. Um, you could, you basically hang this bag of bugs and they burrow into the poo and sting the fly larva or eat it or parasitize it and then you never have flies that are swarming around you when you have dogs. So we have one area where dogs are able to use the restroom and we don't ever mess with the area. We just let the fly exterminators take care of the flies. Um, so using bugs to battle bugs is what I recommend doing aside from growing beneficials that attract them. You can get them from a number of places. I would not recommend... Okay, it's just fair, my opinion. I would buy bugs from a known source. Arbico Organics, great place. There's a really good podcast with the owner of Arbico um, on Farm Small, Farm Smart. I don't forget, I forget the episode. Fantastic. Nature's good, guys. Fantastic. Their bugs are awesome. I would stay away from buying bugs off of Amazon unless you're buying earthworms. Those seem to be the only ones that come in alive and do well. <laughs> Uh, ladybugs get questionable. Um, you better get that package inside right away if it's coming from Amazon and you're buying ladybugs because if not, they'll, the sun will nuke them. But using beneficial insects is how we've done it. So so English uh, gardener, I would absolutely look at that. Um, when it comes to doing um, squash that grows very well here, we unfortunately deal with vine borers. Yep. That is the biggest pest that I dealt with last year. Now, across town, never had an issue. We grew squash. I, I, I grew a zucchini that was as, like as big as my arm, and it was fantastic. Um, but vine borers on this side of town are, are 
were horrible last year, and there's unfortunately two seasons of them, and if the, we don't get hard freezes, they don't die. So yep. there is actually a parasite or a, paras- a parasitoid, I believe is what it's called, that targets those soft bodies because what it is, it's a moth that looks like a wasp. It's a red and black looking moth. They're small, about the size of a quarter. They hover like wasps, so they, they might look like those red like mud daubers or whatever those things are called. Um, and you think, oh, that's, that's a wasp. Well, that's actually a, a moth, and they come out in the daytime versus night, so they're not nocturnal like most moths will come out at night. These fly around in the day, and they will lay eggs all over the place, and those love uh, typically squash, and different cu- cuckoo grids, which are like cucumbers. Um, they actually stay away from my cucumbers and ate all my squash, but they <laughs> ate all my squash. Um, so I would recommend checking out those two places, Arbico or Nature's Good Guys, and use bugs to battle bugs. Let nature do its thing. And depending on the size of your grow, really depends on how much or how often you grow, pick them up. Um, we're going to go pretty aggressive this year. So I'm thinking... Um, I'm gonna do my first order soon. I've got some traps out front that are gonna. Uh, that I'm, I've got some little like bug traps, um, yellow paper, sticky paper, just so I can see what's out there right now. Um, because like, once I start seeing moths, I've got to be ready for caterpillars. So yeah, I think another important thing too when you get into uh, pest problems yeah. is pruning. Yeah. Uh, if you have yeah. a lot of uh, overgrown plants or you have stuff that's, uh, you know, growing too much or it's real bushy and you're not getting enough. Start pruning some stuff back because if they have a place to hide, I mean, it's going to give them opportunity to eat stuff. So, you yeah. know, make sure you keep up with your pruning and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it'll help your plant. It's, it's for a healthier plant. So, and you want the beneficials to be able to get to them like wasps. They need to be able to get to the bugs and see the bugs. But uh, I would, I would definitely give a shout out uh, to those guys and check them out. Um, let's see. So, my tomatoes were doing really well. And then lots of uh, flower trusses. Then out of nowhere, we had a stem rot. Do I need to trash the plants? So that comes to like the fungus stuff that we might have talked about in the last episode, depending. So it, there's different types of, of stem rot or issues that you can get with fungal diseases. Um, dampening off is overwatering. The root system will basically fray and break. The base gets really wet and mushy and it falls over. That's from overwatering. I would just pull and get rid of it. Um, but if you have a specific fungus, you can hit us up or we can help you look it up. And um, it depends. Blight is a challenge yep um i don't really battle with it i pull the plants and burn them um blight is always going to be around but how much or how much you deal with it is always controllable in most cases so depending on what type of fungus it is um you can always make a decision but um i I, I won't be able to really answer that unless you kind of send us a photo or something or if you know specifically what it was um let us know we can help you with that but uh for sure we can help you look it up or reach out um, send us a photo and we can answer your question a little more specifically but it just depends on the type yeah um, some things are savable and some things are not um, i think another thing important too is with tomatoes is uh we always put uh hay around mm-hmm. the base of the plant because then you get uh soil borne diseases mm-hmm. that can splash up while you're watering so it's another way to protect your plant is you know try to lay some hay down and try to keep some of that soil from splashing up on your plant and that's how you get blight so when yeah. you talk about pruning tomatoes if you're growing a tomato plant like for, same, for the same conversation you're growing one the f- bottom foot of that plant should have no foliage you should take the f- bottom you should let the plant grow up when it's about two to three feet um, at least actually when it's smaller start trimming the bottom foot and leave that open for airflow um, because when you're especially if you're hand watering and not using a drip system or something that's going to water your plants on its own you're going to get splash up from the dirt and the soil and so that's how you'll get those soil-borne diseases on your leaves so keeping the airflow 
is super important to battling fungus and battling different things that will get on your plants. Okay. Uh, well, we're getting to the end of our time. Uh, we're going to stay on Instagram for a few more minutes and answer a few more questions. Uh, we're going to go ahead and cut the podcast from here. And uh, 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 Hey, hey, from Michigan. Thanks. We appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Anytime. Uh, yeah, we'll stick around for a few more minutes. We'll answer any more questions on IG and talk to y'all. Uh, we're going to cut our podcast. Uh, we thank everybody for listening. Stay tuned. Uh, plus, we're going to be getting our uh, Instagram hooked up today. So you can start following us there. Uh, punk. Uh, not Punk Rock Farms. I'm Punk Rock Farms. Uh, two beards on the grow. We're gonna set that up. We'll tag everything on there, and you can follow us there. So also, uh, gotta give a shout out to Anchor. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Great podcasting app. It's free to get set up. Um, we're gonna have our podcasts, or we put our podcasts together off of Anchor. It's a fantastic free site to get started if you're looking to start an episode or start your own thing. Um, super user friendly. Um, you can actually um, get paid by views. So the more views you get, you start making money off of your views. Um, it's a really cool system, so easy to use. Um, I highly recommend it for anybody that's trying to get a, a podcast started. Yeah, the best um, the best thing about it is when you start a podcast with them, they will feather your podcast out to all the other services. So Apple Play, uh, uh, I what I what Spotify, is it? Spotify, yeah. uh, in, any of those uh, podcasts. Uh, stations yep. that hold podcasts, they will um, they they will put it out there and put it on there so more people can have access to listen to your podcast. So yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's been super great to use them, and they're they're very user friendly. It's an app that you can have on your phone. Um, it's it's so cool when you can find things like this that make your life easier because time is important, guys. And I know for all of us out there, um, your time is the most valuable thing. So when there's a simple system uh, like Anchor, and it's a it's it's so easy to use. Um, I, I would just recommend it if you're looking to get in the podcast. Game, yeah, so. 100%. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, thanks, we'll guys. see you next episode. Yep.